Bill and Bob's Bracket Busting Bonanza. I'm Bob. I'm here with Bill. Hey, Bob. Bill, we're in South Indianapolis this time. Beautiful neighborhood, that's for sure. Downtown Indy. I like downtown Indy. It's uh, it's um, my second favorite part of of Indianapolis this weekend after Midwest Indianapolis. Midwest Indianapolis is just fun. It's like a hipster neighborhood with quirky teams like Loyola, Chicago, and Syracuse. You know who likes South Indianapolis, Bill? Baylor University. That's who. Correct. Uh, they have they have looked the part early um, of. A number one seed, and um, at least the way I described it um, in earlier pods, there's Gonzaga, there's Baylor, there's everybody else. Uh, Baylor, so far, um, you know, running by Hartford, uh, even though they <laughs> came out slow in that one, but then they ran by Wisconsin, who at least we could get rid of Wisconsin, who was the darling of the uh, the metrics and everything like that. But as we said. Wisconsin hadn't beaten anybody. Yeah, I'll, I will give a little bit of credit to uh, Mr. Ken and Mr. Palm um, because Wisconsin actually really did impress me a lot in the North Carolina game to the point where I was like, oh, man, did I screw this up and and take Wis- and not give Wisconsin enough? Uh, and I picked Wisconsin to beat North Carolina, but did I, did I not give Wisconsin enough credit here because of the way they played against North Carolina, I was I was wildly impressed. They are uh, from an age perspective. They're they're we've talked about this a little bit before, but they're older than the Chicago Bulls. I don't know if you know that the average age of the player on of players on roster of Wisconsin is older than the average age of the Chicago Bulls. Uh, if you want to put it in perspective. So just before we get into um, the game with them against Baylor. Just an interesting note, I was thinking while I was watching the game, it's like all these seniors that Wisconsin has, and none of them are really good pro prospects. There's nothing that says that these guys can't all just come back next year for their super senior season. And Wisconsin basically field a team of people in their mid-30s, mid-20s. But but still, they're all like, they would all be like 24 years old. The average age is 23 now. The average age next year would be 24. Um I wouldn't be shocked if, if a good portion of those seniors came back because they have the kind of team that if they didn't play Baylor or Gonzaga, I think they, they could have easily beaten the one seed. Obviously, they played these close games with Illinois Michigan. We saw that during the year. But I was really impressed with the way they rebound and the way they they, they were like an old school um, Wisconsin or Iowa team that just has like – that keeps running out these six foot ten inch white guys who can shoot – like right off the farm. It's like just straight from Ricky Rose tractor and, uh, and right. Yeah. To the I, we're, after, after, after just talking about, um, the NCAA and, and, and bag men, we don't have to go too far in the weeds with, um, the white guys getting money, um, and tractors. But and that, the other thing was I was impressed with Wisconsin against North Carolina so much that, that it made me start to second guess my, my, uh, thoughts on Wisconsin, but then Baylor played them and Baylor was just so impressive. Baylor really is the second best team in the country, I think, by any um, any reasonable metric. Yeah, the, 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 and I think they're a class above everyone else. I think it really is Gonzaga, then Baylor, then sort of everyone else. Um, I was super impressed with Baylor. The, the thing is, Baylor can really shoot the ball. They're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. And yep. And they get it from several different people. Um, 
Jared uh, Butler, great player, um, but it's not just him. They've got several other guys. They've got the uh, I, for, I forget uh, his Dave, name off the top of my Davion head. Davion Mitchell. Davion Mitchell, but also the uh, the six foot uh, nine inch um, uh, mullet uh, flaunting. Yes. Sort of dark-haired uh, Adam Morrison slash Larry Bird look-alike. So, who so, I've, I, I've seen him pass the ball twice in the entire time I've watched Baylor play. He is an absolute gunner. Shoots from anywhere on the so, court. What's his name? Matthew Mayer. Mayer, um, Mayer. And, and the stat on him is, and, and I don't think I'm getting this one wrong, in the tournament, in the two games of the tournament, their shooting numbers in particular – have um, they're shooting at a higher percentage when he's on the court. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I think like their their shooting percentage uh, has gone up a ton when he's on the court, and it goes down significantly when he's off the court. So yeah. he's definitely he's really stepped into that role. Like he, I think he's normally their sixth man because I think from the forward spot they start um, Vital as a like a fourth guard Vital. slash forward. I, I talked then, to you about Vital and then the Chawa. Yeah. I, I mentioned Vito in the last podcast because he's leading yep. the team in rebounds. He is like I'd only seen him play twice, and I didn't really, I wasn't really looking at him. I was looking at kind of the other guys. But then when I did a little bit of, of uh, reading and watched some some Baylor highlights before we started, I was really impressed with him. And he he played exactly as I thought he he would play. He does like all the little things. He's like the perfect garbage man. He he he's inside. He gets a lot of rebounds. He plays. Guys, he, because he's so wide, he plays guys much taller than him and, and can keep them off the block. So Baylor's one deficiency is their lack of, of height. And his uh, he helps make up for that with his, uh, with his wide load. And um, it, I was very impressed with the way he passed the ball, with the way he rebounded, and, and even chipped in a few points. Yeah, um yeah, and like you said, Mayor Mayor certainly uh, just he gives he's their sixth man, uh, and obviously has up their depth. Uh, the game in particular against Wisconsin, I'm looking, he was responsible for thirty, uh, played a part in thirty two percent of their points. Uh, yeah, which obviously, uh, which as as you noted, obviously was is has been a huge, um, a huge, just step forward for them. Well, um, and, and, and as a big guy like that, what happens is when he stretches, when you stretch a court with a big guy like that, you have a second advantage in insofar as you bring their big guy who would have to cover him out to the three point line, and that means even if he misses some of his shots, you've got one less big guy inside for rebounding purposes, so you can yes. get some offensive rebounds. And and Vidal was the beneficiary of that, um, and I think that that's something you'll see going forward as well. The guard depth now will come into question as we look to the pod below it. We have Purdue um, in they. I mean, they just they had a home game against North Texas, uh, and I think ruined Survivor pools every, everywhere uh, with with their loss. And then you have Villanova, who I think everybody was writing off before the tournament started. They go by Winthrop, no problem, and then Villanova handled North Texas um, very easily. So now the, you have the guard play of Baylor against Villanova, who doesn't necessarily have the depth, um, but we're also seeing that their forwards are, are really stepping up in this tournament um, Jeremiah, uh, yeah, Jeremiah, Jeremiah Earl and Jermaine Samuels. Yeah, uh, I mean, Villanova, I, I don't think you can say enough about uh, how impressive it is that they've they've come back and played the way that they played um, without Colin Gillespie. 
I was again. I, I had a lot of fear for them in the Winthrop matchup because Winthrop had such a good season. Um, Winthrop did not shoot the ball very well at all during that game, and Villanova got out to an early lead and really never looked back. Winthrop didn't have the height to disrupt um, Villanova in the way that I thought they they were going yeah. to do, um, and I think that's a big thing. And we'll we'll touch on it a little later when we go into the the matchups in the Sweet 16, but it'll be interesting against Baylor. I, I think I'll give Villanova a puncher's chance just because of Baylor doesn't uh, doesn't have a big man. They're actually kind of similar teams. They like to shoot the three, and they're very guard-oriented um, and guard-heavy. If they had Colin Gillespie, this would be a monumental game because it would be, it would be incredible. Um, you'd have two teams that could shoot the lights out, and who knows what would happen. Um, Archie uh, Giacano, uh, the brother of Ryan, um, yes. I think his name's Chris, uh, actually hit a couple threes. He had three points all year, to put it in perspective, so he never played. And he's a guy that they have now getting like 30-plus minutes a game. Um, he's doing what they need him to do. They're not asking too much from him. It's basically don't turn the ball over, make some free throws, don't get killed defensively. Anything else that you can do is a bonus. So he, him hitting a couple threes in the first half against North Texas was great. They, I had a, Villanova had a, a similar scenario happen to them um, that I, I, I saw. Maybe it was back, I want to say, um, in like 2008 maybe. Um, I think it was the 2008 tournament where Villanova got in as a 12 seed, beat the 5 seed, and then – um, and got out of that 5-12 matchup and then ended up facing a 13 seed who had beaten a 4 seed. In this particular case, it was Siena who had beaten uh, Vanderbilt. And that game against Siena with that um, 08 Villanova team, which is very similar to this current team, um, was almost identical where they, they just took it to the 13 seed they never really looked back from about 10 minutes into the game. Uh, Villanova shot the ball as well as they could shoot it. Uh, it'll be it'll be interesting. Again, we'll get into it later, but it'll be interesting to see. But if Villanova loses to Baylor, you know, similar to UCLA, like they have nothing. They, it's it's wonderful that they got to where they got and a testament to, to Jay Wright and my Villanova Wildcats. Yeah, Whisker Nation obviously should be very proud. Um, just one more note on Archie Diakno. Um, he, they... Any points you get from him is a plus, but also the things you were hearing from his teammates and his coaches um, coming into the tournament was that he knew the offense inside and out. So when you put a guy on the floor, you know, who can obviously handle the ball, but he's not being sloppy with it. So it's he's not adding any turnovers. The only drop off from him and Gillespie is Gillespie is going to go in and he's going to post some guy, you know, going to get in there and he's going to post it up with the classic like undersized zone of a guard. Continuing the, the tradition of Ryan Archie Giacchino and uh, Jalen yes. Brunson with the uh, the six feet uh, to six two post up game. But he's going to go in there and he's not going to turn the ball over, which is just so, so huge. And as I was saying, in the East region, you have teams that got, well, you have Texas who got upset because the guards were sloppy with the ball. I don't like Florida State going forward because of that sloppiness. And Villanova, to their credit, they don't make those type of mistakes. They play a slow, methodical game and they just don't make mistakes. So if Baylor's going to beat them, um, you know, it's going to have to just be 
you know, grind it down uh, possessions and they're going to have to make the most, uh, um, you know, the they're going to have to make their shots um, because Villanova is going to come in. And like I said, they're, they're not going to give you too many points um, just off turnovers. Yeah. Villanova's gaping holes on defense is really what, what concerns yeah. you. Um, you know, Baylor's a better defensive team in addition to being a slightly better three point shooting team, but three pointers, you know, sometimes they fall, sometimes they don't. Uh, if Villanova hits enough shots, they can make this game close. Um, my my question is what they're going to do defensively. I think you know that we know that they have problems with the big men, but you know, and we'll touch, we'll get to this a little bit more later. But the you know, Baylor doesn't necessarily have the big man, but Villanova is not that great defending guards anyway. Um, one one last thing on Villanova's post up guys, uh, more actually for Villanova had uh, quite a few buckets in the post as a guard trying yes. to uh, take that mantle. Now, I talked to um, uh, our friend uh, Mike Gill, who's a diehard Villanova fan, and he is, because I had said to him before the game, I like Moore's post-up game, and he is insistent uh, upon the fact that Moore is very different in the post than Brunson and Archie Giacchino because he can't pass well out of the post. So maybe look for that. If they start to, if they figure out a way to, to double Moore in the post, it could be potentially problematic. Or Gill could just be full of shit. I, I, I w- you have to wonder how much Villanova basketball he watches. I heard, at least somebody was telling me that Mike Gill gave up on the season after um, Connor Gillespie, uh, Colin Gillespie went down. So, yeah, I would hate, I would, I would hate if that's the case. That uh, you know, giving up on Whisker Nation just because your leader's down. Got to round up the pack. That's what we always say. In uh, nothing is more, nothing is more dangerous than a, a cornered, a cornered wild kitten. Oh, I was going to say, is anything a more wounded, dangerous? A wounded kitten that's been cornered. Yeah. Nothing uh, more a pa- dangerous. A pacing wildcat in trouble is there's nothing more you should f- fear than a group of pacing wildcats who are in trouble. Yeah. Uh, bottom half of the region. Uh, we have Florida. Um, I, pretty, uh, pretty back. I mean, back and forth game there against Virginia Tech, uh, although really uneventful. And then we have the bottom one, which was back and forth um, upset of the tournament so far. Oral Roberts over Ohio State, which was definitely one of the games of the tournament. Yeah, that, what a wonderful thing to see. Uh, destroyed everyone's bracket in like the fourth game of the tournament um, <clears throat> and was a harbinger of things to come for the Big Ten, which is where we kind of learned that the Big Ten is not as good as uh, everyone had thought that, that the Big Ten was going to be. Um I was super happy to to see the the upset. Even happier to see them come back in a really good game at the end against Florida and pick up that win. So good for Moral Oral Roberts. Um, power of Christ compels you. I, I'd also like to say Oral Roberts, one of those schools similar to um, Moorhead State. A lot of people had Oral Roberts hats back in the early uh, aughts. Yeah. So a lot of those people hoping that they didn't toss those hats in the garbage. All right, staying in the bottom half of the South region, we have uh, Arkansas. Um, for a little while, had their scare against Colgate. Um, Arkansas, I think, got as down as many as four, 14 in the first half and then wound up, I think, ending the half up something like three or four. Um, and then you have Texas Tech, who overcame Utah State, and then the Texas Tech-Arkansas um, game, to me at least, was a little bit... 
I'd say disappointing because I thought it was going to be close throughout. Arkansas really just held the lead for the most part, and then it was a fast and furious comeback against Texas Tech, but the comeback wasn't to be, so it was just kind of, you know, just de- delaying the inevitable of an Arkansas win. Yeah, Texas Tech didn't have quite enough to, to finish the comeback. Um, not a not the best performance from uh, from Texas Tech. I expected a little bit more from them. But Arkansas, uh, it Going back to the first game, it was kind of. It was, I think the first game against Colgate was sort of exactly what we expected: uh, a a high flying, up back and forth, super fast paced game, um, where a fourteen point lead really isn't a fourteen point lead. A fourteen point lead feels more like a six point lead, and that's the way it felt during that game. Once Arkansas started cutting into that fourteen point lead, it was like they never really looked back. They started playing really well. Um, Arkansas does everything that they do because they are such a guard-heavy uh, team, and everyone on their team likes to run and shoot. Um, they they are capable of beating a lot of teams, but they're also capable of some losses if you get them out of their um, comfort zone. I don't think that's going to happen. We'll talk about it, I guess, a little later, but I don't think that's going to happen against Oral Roberts. Um, if you look at Arkansas's roster, Moses Moody is, is their best player, and he's been really, really good for them all season long. Uh, he's their best shooter as well, uh, and and he'll be the guy that, that you'll want to focus on um, in the next two rounds. Uh, they've gotten some good things um, from a, from a uh, guard standpoint from Jalen Tate. Um, Justin Smith is a six foot seven forward. He's really their biggest guy. He averages seven rebounds a game um, and about 14 points. Um, everybody on their team gets some assists, but this entire Arkansas team is they they win based on their pace of play. They get you tired. Um, they turn the ball over a, a decent amount um, for for a team with a lot of guards. They, they there's not a lot of two to one turnover to assist, assist to turnover ratios. Um, but they also turn the ball over. Um, they've got uh, six guys who are averaging over uh, one steal a game. So they, they're going to constantly get turnovers and then push it up the floor, try and get buckets. They'll score in in large volume and short short period time periods. Um, I think, though, if you can control the pace, you, you can do a good job of neutralizing some of the advantages that Arkansas has. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens with them. I'm not surprised they are where they are. I thought um, it would be a, a close game with Texas Tech where it could go either way. I liked Texas Tech in that game. Um, Same. But, but um, you know, it, it was a, a coin flip anyway, so I'm not surprised Arkansas is there. And truth be told, it's a massive uh, advantage to be there because they are playing a 15 seed, and they are standing in the way of the first 15 seed ever making the Elite Eight, and I think they're probably going to – gonna stay in that uh in that path and i don't foresee or roberts uh beating arkansas yeah just one one final note on arkansas moses moody um for a freshman i think flying somewhat under the radar when you consider that all the talk that's been about uh Cade cunningham uh jalen suggs cam thomas against ellis uh, of lsu and then moses moody um you know he's the guy who's still here, and um, we saw at 17 points um, against Texas Tech, really uh, playing the part of a, an elite freshman who I think um, is someone who will be seeing playing um, in the NBA soon, uh, sooner rather than later. Um, or Oral Roberts, you kind of said it with um, you know this game could come down to tempo. That's actually the one number that stands out with Oral Roberts. They're a top 50 tempo pace team in the country. 
Um, Arkansas, I think, is currently at 17 or 18 in the country. Um, so it does. It, if Arkansas, we can plays see a their very game, similar game to the uh, to the first round game for Arkansas. Exactly to that Colgate game where if it's up and down, you have to wonder. We're all Roberts for a while whether they'll hang in this game and kind of keep people on the edge of their seat wondering if, yeah, is it going to be the time when a 15 seed uh, goes all the way to the Elite Eight? The last time we saw a 15 seed um, in the Sweet 16, uh, Grand Canyon. Oh, no, sorry, not Grand Canyon. No, Dunk Gulf City. Coast, Dunk Gulf, City. Gulf Coast. And that was a, a similar team in regard that they were a team that would get up and down the floor and were entertaining as hell, just dunking the basketball um, with uh, Andy Enfield of uh, currently now at USC yeah, to bring it I, all full circle. I think the uh, the kid's name on on Oral Roberts is O'Banner, and he's yes. he's their best player. He was he was very impressive in uh, the game against Florida, especially down the stretch. Um, but Florida looked kind of incompetent down the stretch themselves. I, yes. you know, like or the Florida, there's no excuse for being up eight ten points in the second half on a 15 seed and not being able to to uh, close out the victory. I, I think we're going to see a similar game to the preview to the first round game for Arkansas. I think you're right. I think you're going to see Oral Roberts maybe hanging around, even getting a lead in the first half. But eventually, I just think that uh, Water's going to find its level and Arkansas is going to win this game and move on. The, the guy that I think you, people um, should remember this name going into that matchup with Arkansas, and we've always um, been um, big advocates of guard play, and guard play wins in this tournament. Uh, Max Abmus is the lead guard at Oral Roberts, has had a good tournament so far, and he will need to have another good tournament. Although Obanier is their scorer and their guy, uh, um, Max Abmus obviously will be will need will be needed against the backcourt and all those different guys from from Arkansas. Yeah, I think if Oral Roberts has any any shot at winning, it's you have to kind of get Arkansas to do things that their coach doesn't want them to do, but the players want to do. So yep. Arkansas, for example, uh, shoots a lot of threes, but they're not a good three point shooting team. They don't have a single guy shooting forty percent from from three that gets playing time on their team. It's, you know, Moody is close with at 37.4, and then everybody else is 33% or below. So, you know, these guys shoot a lot, but they're not uh, they're not necessarily proficient three-point shooters. That doesn't mean they can't have a day. Like, UCLA has had a couple days. But, um, yeah, from a, from a shooting perspective, they're actually not that good at shooting a three-point shooting team, which makes sense because they get most of their points in transition and from diving to the hoop. And, and penetrating. Uh, decent foul shooting team, not great, decent. Um, I, I just think eventually the pace of play, Oral Roberts uh, going against Arkansas, even though Oral Roberts might be comfortable at a higher, at a faster pace, I just don't think it's going to happen. It is funny that you brought up um, getting Arkansas to do things that their coach isn't necessarily comfortable with. Um, Eric Musselman, the coach, um, for Arkansas, a guy who uh, took Nevada to the Final Four uh, just a few years ago. But it actually brought me back to the game against Colgate. I, I don't I don't have uh, – no, unfortunately, it's not on the, the, the game sheet that I have in front of me. But the announcers were actually talking about that exact point in that game. Uh, J.D. Note and Jalen Tate at certain points were taking some – I'd say erratic threes, uh, slightly off balance, um, where Arkansas was doing a great job of coming back in that at the you know the latter half, 
latter part of the first half where they were getting to the hole, getting getting buckets in transition, and then you you would get in and and the offense was starting to get set up, and then you'd have Note and and Tate pulling the trigger on quick threes on off balance, uh, shoulders weren't set, and different things like that. Now they never. I, at least maybe I missed it, but the cameras never went to Musselman to show him. But the announcers actually brought up that exact point of, oh, I guess you just have to live with these Note shots because Note had hit a few, but he's not necessarily going to hit it at a high percentage. You live with it, but he's not going to shoot it at a high percentage. Yeah, I mean, that goes for the entire team, really, except for Moody. Yeah, Moody, um, a little bit steadier. Um, you know, solid mid-range game on him as well. I think he's certainly a guy who's um, cut out for the the NBA. Um, to go to the top half part of the, the top part of the bracket, and Looking we, we yeah, we we talked about this a little bit already, but um, Vonova and, and Baylor, two two of the top offensive offenses in the country. Um, Baylor, the um, adjusted offense, I. Yep, uh, number three in the country, and Villanova at um, six. So these are two very good offensive teams. Um, Villanova, you had mentioned earlier, and you certainly hit the nail on the head, not the defensive team that we've come to know out of them the past few years. And Baylor, definitely a good defensive team in their own right, but as far as like national contender status, um, they're only a top 40 defensive team, so they're not... You know they're not an incredible defensive team, they're but certainly not an elite defensive team. I yeah, agree. not an elite one for sure. But good enough that they that they know how to get stops, and they have and and the thing that that gives them difficulty sometimes is big men. Unfortunately, Villanova does not have any big men to throw at them. Um, the two teams are are incredibly similar. Um, it's like Villanova is just a poor man's Baylor in a lot of senses. Um, you know, like I said, I give Villanova a puncher's chance because. They really still can shoot the ball, but I just think that that Baylor has too much talent. They've got a good coach and Drew. Um, I just think that's going to win out, and and I like Baylor in this game. Um, <laughs> if Villanova is to um, pull off a wild upset, it's going to mean that they probably shoot the ball fifty percent from the three in this game. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it it, it really is going to come down to when Gillespie went down. This the Villanova's tournament, I had said it would take uh, a real good coaching performance from Jay Wright, but now it's really going to, on the court, it's going to come down to what Robinson Earl can do for them. Um, he's 6'9", he's, he's their, their tallest player. Um, there's not much behind him and Samuels in terms of height, but Robinson Earl, you know, he potentially could be a, a mismatch nightmare for Villanova if he continues the trend that he's had for the first two games where he's done a nice job of um, giving them scoring, um, you know, offensive boards have been there. And, um, yeah, I, I, the Robinson Earl could be the guy for Villanova. Oh boy, he's going to have to be the guy for Villanova um, in order to win to win that game against Baylor and even to get out of this region. Yeah, a guy I would I would keep my eye on because if they, if they have a chance, he's going to need to play incredibly well. And he has been playing well, and he's got the potential to play well. He's an excellent shooter, is uh, Cole Swider. Yes. Um, uh, Cole Swider it, um, is kind of, you know, filling some of the scoring gap that's been left by Colin Gillespie's absence. Um, if Cole Swider gets in and, and hits some threes, Brandon Slater as well off the bench, like the, that 
that at least helps stress the court and gives them a better chance. They'll go, I, although I agree with you, they'll go as far as Robinson Earl takes them if he plays well. And he's got and, – and let's let's remember, you know, like Baylor is a very undersized – team they're they're an excellent team but they they're one sort of glaring um i wouldn't even call it a weakness but like hole is is that they don't really have a lot of size so if they get vidal in, in foul trouble you know robinson earl could do some serious damage he's six nine they don't have anyone near that height who can handle him inside um we'll see what ends up happening with this one uh i, I like baylor though uh, I mean, Baylor, obviously, Jared Butler, All-American at, at, in the guard spot. And then Davian, Davian Mitchell, I think if Butler was not there, Mitchell would be – I think Mitchell's actually third-team All-American, so he's a guy in his own right who is is right there as one of the top guards in the country. Yeah. And I think that's where Colin, a guy like Colin Gillespie will be missed just because they don't – they just don't have the depth to match the guard play of those two players. You, and you have Teague as a third guard who's incredible as well. And and we already mentioned earlier in the pod about Matthew Mayer stepping forward, um, giving them some forward depth – but at six nine, you know he can. He's going to step it outside. He's going to be a mismatch nightmare. And you know you have to wonder if he puts potentially. It could go the opposite way, where he puts Robinson Earl in foul trouble by drawing him out a little bit. Yeah, that could be. Uh, I'm you know wouldn't be remotely shocked by that. Um, I, I I just again I, I'm looking forward to watching this game. But I, as much as I'd like to see Villanova come up with a win, I don't I don't see it. Uh, happening and i assume in the in the bottom half of the of this uh region you're also going to be taking arkansas i'm gonna i'm gonna stick with arkansas and i think just i just at this point i just think baylor um they haven't through two games they've they've looked the part so any sort of stumble that they have had coming out of that second COVID outbreak they lost in the in the um, big 12 tournament to arkansas uh oklahoma state um i just don't i think they've corrected any sort of issues that they've had and i think they're now at where i thought they would be they're the second best team in the country and i think they make it out of this region yeah uh i'm there i'm right there with you i think arkansas has too many weaknesses i think baylor's um you know it's it's not a, a foregone conclusion Arkansas is, oh, is no. capable with the pace that they play of putting up so many points that, that you know, Baylor doesn't know what's happening. But Baylor doesn't turn the ball over in the same way. Baylor's a, a more experienced team. You're not going to – they're not going to let Arkansas get into the transition style game that uh, they want to play. A hundred percent. Bill, this has been the South region. Um, I'll see you back in Indianapolis in the Midwest. I'll see you in Midwest Indianapolis. Great food there. See you then.